Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's good, everybody? Welcome into the Early Edge and the most important hour of the entire week. Our Week 12, hard to believe, NFL Mega Preview. We get you set with our best bets, our leans, numbers that we think are going to change, and just kind of a lot of information that you can use this entire week. Remember, we got Thanksgiving. We have Sunday. A lot of games. No teams on a buy this week. Now, also, if you missed Early Edge in 5, we had a pick for all four World Cup games tomorrow. I encourage you to go watch that on demand to get set for what has started out to be a really cool tournament in the other football. But this is about American football. Let's bring in the stars of the show. You know them, you love them, live from Nashville, Tennessee, the penthouse level. M Squared, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Coach. RJ, great to see you there. Ready for this week in the NFL. One of the most unique weeks in all the Thursday games. Holiday for teams, players, everyone involved. Just a different week in the league, but always fun to tackle. Let's get to it. You're damn right. He is the stoic one. He runs everything NFL at Sportsline. He is RJ White. RJ, good afternoon. Good afternoon. A great day of football already in the books, including one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history with Argentina going down to Saudi Arabia. To put that in context, it would be like if the Houston Texans lost a game or one beat a, uh, another professional football team. Any of them pick any of them. And it's like the Texans <laughs> beating them. You are a savage. You are an absolute savage, but that was plus 2,500 for Saudi Arabia to pull off that upset. We were on the over, of course, thank goodness over two and a half for that game. All right. Of course, our mega preview as always brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and casino last week as a group on our best bets on this show, show you how important it is to try to beat the number. Seven and two collectively. That includes the maestro going three and oh right here on the show. Mikey and RJ each went two and one. We will take that every single week. So let's dive in. Thanksgiving slate, three big games. The first one, the Bills playing in the same building, four days apart, taking on the Lions live on CBS. Thursday, it's a football feast featuring two hungry teams that promise to serve up some points. When Josh Allen and the Bills make the trip to the Motor City to challenge the Lions. He pulled it in for the touchdown. Thanksgiving Day, the NFL is on CBS. You cannot have a better way to start. And RJ, we're going straight to you because these this is your team. And last week they got it done, but it seems like they've kind of regressed a little bit. Josh Allen says he's healthy, not playing as good as he used to. But what's your best bet in this game? Line here is nine and a half. I think that's far too many points with a Detroit team that looks like it's going to be competitive from here on out. I got a best bet Detroit plus nine and a half, three straight wins for the Detroit Lions while getting severely outgained in yardage. And that's thanks to turnovers. Their defense getting it done turnover wise. I was a little skeptical when they got three red zone interceptions of Aaron Rodgers that they could continue. Then they got the easiest pick six you'll ever see against Justin Fields the next week. So, so I don't know if I wanted to bank on that. And then they face a Giants team that doesn't turn the ball over and they generated three turnovers against them. So something might be going on here with this defense being able to create turnovers. We know the offense is going to be strong, great offensive line, getting healthier on the offensive side of the ball. DJ Chart probably going to play a little bit more this week. Jamison Williams are training to practice. This Buffalo offense somehow leads the league in turnovers per game. Finally had a clean game against Cleveland, but um, they chose their brutal travel over staying in Detroit. I think they're likely going to be sluggish early. I think Detroit's strength in the trenches can keep them in this one, especially if the turnovers continue for them, considering how much Buffalo has turned the ball over. The whole thing didn't make any sense to me, RJ. The waiting till the snow had already come to get out and then going back. And then it just doesn't make any sense. Stay in the same hotel for five days. It doesn't seem that hard. But Mikey, as we look at the total, 54, the Bills used to be an over team. It doesn't seem like they are anymore. How do you see this game script going? Yeah, I see the game being competitive with enough points to get it close on this one. I have the slightest of leans towards the under, having it come in around 52 points. Um, you know, it, it's to a spot where I'm not going to touch it just in the controlled environment. Uh, 
look, I, I think the Bills are obviously the better team still, but what they will do is kind of let teams hang around and play a little bit down to their competition at this point. The Lions, we always like this offense when they're playing at home in the controlled environment. So I'm not going to touch it. We do have a lean on the under. My number on the side is 8.3, so a little bit of a lean towards the Detroit Lions as well. Uh, I've elected not to play both of those so far at this point, but that, that's where we lean. Slight lean on the under, slight lean on Detroit. Okay. It also feels like Josh Allen is starting to press a little bit, almost like, you know, he was for several weeks the leader in the MVP voting, and now it feels like he's making some bad interceptions, making some bad throws, trying to do a little bit too much, and that can keep a team, as you guys just said, hanging around. Game number two on Thursday. Mikey, coming right back to you because this is one of your best bets. Now, if you were on the Cowboys-Vikings over last week like I was, what a bad beat. If you just look at the score and say one team scored 40 and it didn't go over 48 or 49, what? But the Vikings were terrible, 40-3. to three. Cowboys were rolling. They're laying nine to a Giants team who just lost to the Lions. Total 45 and a half. What do you like in this one? Yeah, I'm going to go under the total of 45 and a half here. Never really fun when you have a team like the Cowboys that can run it up offensively. Uh, definitely make them the better team here. They are steadily rising the power rankings as well uh, into a top five team for sure in the NFL right now. But you could argue top three or four at this point. Uh, but they've got both running backs in there with Pollard and Zeke. That's going to keep the clock rolling a little bit. The Giants know their recipe for success here. If this game gets to the point where the other team is scoring more than 24 points, they're probably not winning the football game, and they know that. Uh, look for a game plan that represents that in this game. It's a division game, rivalry game, short week here. Uh, just all the things that have a making of a little bit of an under game here. So at 45 and a half, I think the number on this one should be 42 and a half. Gets you down through some pretty key numbers here uh, in the NFL. So I'm expecting a game with clock rolling a lot. You've got Saquon, you've got Daniel Jones, also likes to run a little bit. Just keep that clock rolling. Look for a relatively competitive game that Dallas pulls away at the end. Uh, we stay under this total of 45 and a half. Yeah, RJ, whenever you have a, a divisional matchup, NFC East, it always like slugging it out. They know each other so well. But when you look at the side of this game, we talk about the under, but the side is nine. And last night, San Francisco had no issues covering eight, covering nine. But we have seen historically this season that anything over seven and eight is very difficult to lay. What do you see in this one? Yeah, this line jumped two points after two extreme week 11 results with the Giants falling apart there and the Cowboys doing anything they wanted to against the Vikings. I'd normally be looking to fade off of that, those two extreme results. But my power ratings have this line as high as nine and a half, and it's a major mismatch with that uh, Giants offense, 31st in sack rate going against Dallas defense at first in the league in sack rate. Daniel Jones is not going to have any time to throw. Maybe they can scheme something around that, but at some point it, it just becomes difficult, especially when receivers keep getting hurt. Giants wrecked by injuries on Sunday, including Dale Robinson. Uh, Adoree Jackson, you ask any Giants fan, they couldn't believe he was back there returning punts uh, when he's so indispensable to that defense. Like, what are you doing? You're going to get this guy hurt. And then, of course, he goes and gets hurt, you know. So um, good job by the Giants for doing that. I just think that the steam is kind of running out on them. Dallas offense top 400 yards in three straight after not getting there all year. Feels like they're really rounding into form. I'm not going to play it because the line's too high for a divisional game for me, but I don't really want to play the Giants right now. Mm, that makes a little lot of sense. And come Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, we'll see exactly what it feels like right then if any more information comes on this game. But right now, the Cowboys, they are rolling neither team can afford to lose this one. All right, now, the last several years, there's been three games on Thanksgiving. We love it. 8.20 Eastern time, the total 42.5. The number, a little surprising to me, 2.5. But that's why I have you guys. The Patriots last week scored 10 points without an offensive touchdown, without a defensive touchdown. One of the dumbest decisions ever to punt to a player with 20 seconds to go in the game. But they did it, and the Patriots took it back. They now travel to Minnesota to take on a team that got embarrassed in front of their home fans, and they're right back home again. So, RJ, start us off. What do you like in this game? Yeah, I have the the Vikings as a best bet at minus two and a half. Got to get it at the two and a half number. The New England offense played better than the score indicated, even though they weren't putting up points. Minnesota's offense really didn't in that game. It's easier defensive matchup for New England offense this week, and that's not really the case for Minnesota, although I do think it is slightly easier to play the Patriots than, than the uh, – 
than um, the Cowboys last week. But Minnesota has a strong home field advantage generally that I have worth two and a half points. So that's saying, this line is saying these teams are even. Um, I don't think they're even. I still think the Vikings are better. They're going to be focused after this embarrassment. The New England defense has been dominant their last few games, but they've played Sam Ellinger and Zach Wilson. I don't know how, how much that's worth when you're facing a competent offense with a competent quarterback. Offensive line injuries to worry about on both sides. Christian Darisaw for the Vikings at left tackle. But that center injury for New England with David Andrews hurt, I think is really going to come into focus here because they have to play in a tough road environment with the noise going on in, in Minnesota stadium, that horn blaring going to be really tough for a center to, to that, to, you know, come into this game and play well in this environment. So I don't expect much from the new England offense here. I think the Vikings can cover this number. By the way, Jeffrey, a couple of games ago said in the chat, I know I'm tailing RJ on this one. Then he said, RJ, you're his currently his 77th favorite person in the world and climbing fast with each time they cash your play. I'll take it. 77, uh, I believe Ray Bork's number. It's a pretty good number to, to be associated with. So uh, yes, Willie Rove, too, on the NFL side. So pretty good. There you go. That is pretty good. Now, Mikey, you also agree with RJ's take and his bet. Tell me why. Yeah, we're going Vikings minus two and a half here. Look, I, I've been on the Patriots quite a bit. I love their defense. I think their defense is legit. Uh, like RJ said, they did have two relatively easy matchups in terms of quarterback play on the other side. But now we're going on the road, short week here, like this spot as they bounce back for Minnesota. I've been saying Minnesota's relatively fraudulent most of the season here. Um, I, I still think this is a great bounce back spot. My worry on the New England side is can they do enough offensively to get a win in this kind of game? Uh, I, I think they're going to struggle to keep up if the win requires more than 14 points, which it likely will in this particular spot. Um, I was encouraged on the New England side seeing Damian Harris back. He, he ran really well in that game. Uh, I still think it's going to be a mix of him and Ramondre Stevenson, though. Ultimately, I think Justin Jefferson becomes too much to contain. And the, the Patriots offense, like I said, they just haven't had the ability to throw down the field very well. And I don't think it's going to start here in this particular environment. So the number in my power ratings or simulations, it look, it's it's right here. Like there's not a massive edge on it. It's just a spot that I have identified. I make it 2.9 right at the three point line. Love it here under three at two and a half. Um, yeah, I think it's a good bounce back spot for the Vikings. So yeah. if they're going to they're going to be professionals and they want to fight for that number one seed, you got to win games like this. You have to especially when you're embarrassed like you did last week. I think this is a great spot, a great feel spot as well. All right, those are the three games on Thanksgiving. There are seven at 1 o'clock on Sunday. As I said, there are no bye weeks this week for anybody. Everybody is in action. They will be on the field. First game at 1 o'clock on Sunday, Falcons traveling to D.C. to take on the Commanders. Now, after a 1-4 start, the Commanders have won five out of six. Now, I know this will probably change, but if the playoffs were happening today, all four teams in the NFC East would be in the playoffs. That's hard to do. But again, we got more games to play. I get it. But that's how good this division has been. Commanders laying three, total 42. Mikey, are the commanders for real? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think they're okay. Uh, they're, they're not quite an average team. They're, they're bunched up in that range of teams that could potentially be average, depending on how you, you group them. Uh, but Atlanta's been basically the same thing on the other side. So getting this number at three, I have to lean that way. Uh, I, I make the number three, nine. So basically minus four in, in this particular matchup, like they're playing on their home field, but not a team that I think is going to see a consistent result and consistent effort week after week. Um, love to hear RJ's thoughts on it. I haven't played it. This is basically where I thought the number would be. The, the, these teams, the market's basically saying these teams are essentially even um would love rj's take on it but again i make it closer to four rj your thoughts yeah i wanted washington at three even with their bad home field advantage that i was harp on because they're definitely better than atlanta to be especially an atlanta team that now doesn't have kyle pitts the market has moved this number up to four now and i think i've seen four and a half in some spots but it's basically four everywhere to me that's just a lean on washington i mean i'm surprised the atlanta offense didn't do more versus chicago's defense just two of nine on third downs to me that's a big red flag i don't know how they're going to move the ball now with pitts hurt washington's defense dominated an awful houston offense i know it's houston you 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 say you have to discount them for that anybody can dominate houston but they've been 
playing great for weeks, getting healthy on the defensive line. Mariota could be under siege all day, especially if Atlanta falls behind and he's forced to throw. I know there's been situations where he should have been forced to throw in the past and they just keep running the ball. But if, if they ha- if they have to throw it, I mean, they're going to probably lose this game. Even could be by double digits, so it might be a hammer spot for some of the alt lines that I know Mikey likes to play. Atlanta's defense doesn't get pressure, so I think Heineke can pick apart this Atlanta defense and Washington can run away with this. I get the move up to four. At four, it's too much for me. I was all willing to play it at three, um, but right now it's just a strong lean on, on Washington. All right, fair enough. By the way, Atlanta has yet to have their bye week. They are five and six, a half game back of Tampa Bay, so they're still alive because they're in a bad, bad, bad division. Quick Chat question for Mikey from Rebecca. Would you put the Patriots in a teaser? I don't mind it. Um, However, I think that there's such a wide range here, and I do think that this Vikings team has the potential to blow them out. It's crazy as that sounds. Um, Man, if I were more, if I were going to tease that game, as crazy as it sounds, I'd likely bring the total up and go under before I would tease with with the, uh, the Patriots side. Um, just more of a gut feel than an actual math, math based play on it. Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at there. I think that it's a really, really, really big bounce back spot for Minnesota. So I'm not going to touch teasing the Patriots on the side. I, agree. I think I the path forget. to them covering the side is the total being under that alternate number. Always smart ways, always looking at different ways to go. That's why we ask him. I always forget about teasing. If you want to play a number of teasing it up or teasing it down, if you want to play the over, I always forget about that but it's a smart way to do it. Thank you, Mikey. All right, next game at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the Ravens. We said the number was way too high, RJ, against the Panthers. It was 14. They ended up winning by 10, 13 to 3. They're traveling to Jacksonville. Last time we saw them, respectful effort. They still lost by 10 to Kansas City. Total 43 and a half. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like the under in that game last week with the Ravens with how good their defense is playing. I, I like it this week, too, except it's been dropping now down to 43 and a half. I think it was 45, 45 and a half earlier in the week. Baltimore's defense continuing to rise toward elite status to me, and I'm not really that worried about the offensive dud for, for their offense in that game. Uh, Jacksonville with two weeks to prepare, though. Um, I don't think the offense has much success in the matchup with how good Baltimore's defense is playing. And the Jacksonville has allowed 20 plus points in five straight, despite in those games facing teams like the Colts, the Giants, the Broncos, the Raiders, not, not dominant offenses in any stretch of the imagination. So I think the Ravens can cover, cover this number, even with the Jaguars on big rest, but my better play would be to the under, even though it's coming down because it's at 43 and a half. Now it's only a lean for me. What do you think, Mikey, with the Ravens numbers sitting where it is? Is it, These have been two teams that props have been very, very difficult because they've had so many injuries to their talent players. What do you think about, about this game? Yeah, I think RJ nailed it in the fact that the Ravens defense is improving at the right time for them. Uh, I like the Ravens side in this game. I make the number five. You know, you can play it here at four if you want to. I think it could be a potential in-game opportunity as well. The issue you have with the Ravens in these kind of games is they do play to the level of the competition a little bit and just survive and get wins. Um, Having said that, I think they're a significantly better team. Uh, I've not been a believer in the Jacksonville side. We'll see how they respond coming off the bye. If they weren't coming off the bye like that, I probably would be all in laying the minus four, but I think the number would, again, probably be minus five if they weren't well-rested like this. Um, lean towards the Ravens side, not going to play it at this point. Also lean on the under a little bit. Potentially the best look in the game might be the Jaguars team total under. Mm, very, very interesting. By the way, whenever teams go to Jacksonville, it's like they go into a vortex and like everything that we think could happen usually doesn't. So probably the smartest thing is to lay away. You know what I mean? By the way, Hal 9000, make sure you get your information right before you try to take a shot at one of my cappers. Melvin Gordon over nine and a half receptions. Worst prop prediction ever. Well, Hal, it would have been if that was the play. But even Cooper Cup does not have over nine and a half reception as a prop. It was nine and a half receiving yards, which we cashed, by the way, before he got cut by the Broncos. So how 9,000? Step it back. Stop typing. Get your information correct. Thank you. Now, next game. Who's going to play quarterback here, RJ? Who's going to play quarterback? Bears, boy, it's such bad news if it is indeed season ending for Justin Fields. He has been, at least his effort's been awesome. Hasn't made all the right plays, but at least the Bears have been competitive. Now they travel to the Jets. Jets are laying four and a half. 39 and a half is the total. And remarkably, when asked directly if 
he felt like the offense let the defense down. Zach Wilson said, without blinking an eye, no. No. No no passing yards in the second. No. Okay. But this is one of your best bets this week. Talk to me. Love the Jets here at minus four and a half. Don't know who's going to play quarterback. To me, it doesn't really matter on either side of the ball. And that's because Justin Fields' side, if he plays, I don't think he's going to be 100%. Um, if he does play, I would make this line Jets minus four and a half, which is where it is. And I would probably lean to the Jets because they have a great defense um, that's becoming one of the best four or five in the league, I think. Um, the huge initial move here, because it was three and a half, went up to six, made it feel like Fields wouldn't play. And that's kind of what the information was telling us. Coaches came out, said he was, the report came out, said it was day by day. Uh, day to day, and it sounds like they're optimistic he's going to play this week. So I think that's why it's moved back to four and a half. Some people playing the Bears plus six has moved it back down to this number. If he doesn't play, I think the line should be Jets minus 10, even with their offense mm -hmm. in disarray after that New England dud. Um, the last time the Jets faced a defense not in the top 10 of yards per play, they scored 27 points in Green Bay. Um, get right spots don't get any better than facing this undermanned J J Chicago defense. So you play whoever you want on the Jets side. It's not going to be worse than it was last week, and they're going to have a, a matchup advantage against the Bears defense. So four and a half should be the line if Fields plays. If he doesn't, I'd put it all the way up to 10. That's why I think best bet Jets minus four and a half is a great play because there's so much upside if he if he's ruled out. Mikey, to RJ's point, the Bears have been scoring a lot, but it's all because of Justin Fields and giving up a lot. So if Justin Fields isn't in there, I think he's spot on. A kid should be nine or ten at least. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. Uh, I think the number should be five and a half to six right now, given all the information that we have. If he were to be ruled out, I think the number's literally ten and a half. I think it goes through ten uh, is where it should be. I think there's a significant drop off there. You mentioned one thing about Justin Fields. While he hasn't always made the best decisions, he's thrown a pick six. He's turned the ball over a little bit. He's also done the exact opposite in terms of extending drives, extending plays, uh, done some very miraculous things out there that is really difficult for any other quarterback to replicate. Um, I, I don't think they're going to have much success there. So, like I said, I think this number should be six right now uh, at this point, and it should balloon over 10 if he's not playing. So I love RJ's side here with the Jets. And this is a perfect spot. We tell you at home all the time. The reason we do this show on Tuesday is for spots like this. Get the number before it shoots up. As soon as that story comes out, you know it's going to change. You know it's going to change. Don't be caught on the wrong side. Matthew says, good Lord, this Capper crew is money. Pun intended. Matthew, thank you very much. We love doing this show, and we do it because of people like you. So thank you very much. All right, this next game, and we like to joke sometimes that we will not watch one minute of a game, and this feels like one of those games. The Broncos blew it again. Blew it again against the Las Vegas Raiders. But they're laying two and a half on the road to the Panthers who only scored three last week with the fighting Baker Mayfields. Total, 36. RJ, talk to me. What do you like in this one? You say uh, not watch one minute in this game. I think it's appointment viewing because it's Sam Darnold week again. We get, we get the guy that sees ghosts. And how often do you get to see ghosts on a football field here? Um, but no, with this line, Broncos two and a half, like I wrote it down in my spreadsheet. I did all my prep. I didn't process that this game was in Carolina. I just assume Broncos laying two and a half, they had to be playing at home. But lo and behold, they're on the road laying two and a half. I don't know how you can do that with this offense. They did have a solid 5.2 yards per play against Vegas, but it's one of the worst defenses in the league. This Vegas team can't get pressure. Then they disappear in the second half. I can't trust this offense at all. Their defense actually had a dud versus Vegas. They have had nine to 10 games of theirs have finished at 38 points or less, which is why this totals all the way down to 36. Carolina defense coming off a second straight good game. Just this is the matchup for them to shine here against this Denver offense. They can't do anything. That means the Carolina offense can run the ball, stay in the game since Denver doesn't score. And with this very low total, perfect time to tease it up through teaser alley, the three and the seven, get Panthers plus eight and a half as the first leg of my teaser. Mikey combined six and 15 for these two teams straight up on the field this year. I don't know. I've ever seen a team rotate three quarterbacks throughout the first 10 or 11 weeks of the season, but it's exactly what we have seen. So where does it stop for you this week on this game? Yeah. I mean, the, the computer wants you to play Carolina uh, at this point, we make the game a pick them essentially maybe even a half point favorite for the Panthers on their home field. Um, look, it's not a great spot for either team. There's so much variance in terms of what we're going to get out of the quarterback play. Um, you know, Denver's offense, there, there have been flashes where they look like they're competent. Other times they have not been at all. 
Uh, you're right in terms of a game you're not going to want to watch. So I, I think the only way to play this, honestly, is to tease it. It's at a super friendly number with the home team getting the two and a half, uh, get you through eight and a half, just like RJ's done. Uh, the issue that you might have, RJ doesn't have the issue. He's obviously got the teaser in. I haven't identified a second leg of the teaser that I absolutely love yet, but I do like the Panthers side a ton at eight and a half in teasers. Okay. Matthew says this game is for Hackett's job. I wouldn't touch this game, and I'm a Broncos fan. Be very careful when you're firing a coach in the first year and they have a four- or five-year deal for $20 million. They're going to get that $20 million. NFL teams don't care as much as college, but it's still a factor. Still a factor. All right, this next game, the Maestro. It's one of his best bets that he sent in when this number was 12. It's now moved already to 13. Total 46. Texans in Miami. And don't look now, RJ, but the Miami Dolphins are tied at the top of the AFC East with your Buffalo Bills at 7-3, and and they are flying as high as we've seen in many, many years. But we're concerned about the numbers, and the number here is 13. Yeah, look ahead and move from 9.5 to 10.5 before Sunday. There was already taking action on Miami, moving it through a relatively key number of 10, which is interesting. I, I thought that they needed to move more. And then sure enough, Texans you know, ha- had a complete dud, reopens 11.5, 12. Now it's up to 13. I liked it at 12. I, I'm completely on board playing him at 12. I actually have the game in my ratings at 16.5. You see these games every year that will have a 17-point game every once in a while. Um, and with a team as bad as the Texans, I think that that should be this game. The Dolphins aren't getting enough respect by the market still, um, you know, coming out of their buy. Um, Houston couldn't take advantage of a bad spot for Washington last week. I think they're done. Um, the only concern I have here is Miami after this game, which is a complete look ahead. You know, we're going to beat the Texans. Don't worry about this game. Next, they travel to San Francisco to face Mike McDaniel's old team in the 49ers, which looks like one of the best teams in the league right now. So possible look ahead spot. That's why once it got to 13, I wasn't as interested in playing it. But if they want to, I mean, they could win this game, like a Cowboys Vikings type of score here. It might be one of those games, Mikey, where we lean into the props because the Texans, they can't guard anybody. And well, the Dolphins have two receivers who are already killing it against teams that can guard people. So do you think the prop market is going to be busy for this one? Uh, I think it might be, but I think you'll want to be careful with it, though, just because the game is projected to be so lopsided here. We might see some shorter fields. We might see more running the football. We might not show as as much looking ahead to the San Francisco game like uh, RJ mentioned there. So as crazy as it sounds, you know, I'll, I'll have daily fantasy plays probably with the Dolphins. There's a chance that we'll lean on a Tyreek over, but for the most part, I'm staying off of this one. Like RJ said, they have the ability to go win this by 25 to 30 points. Like I, I don't think that is unreasonable at all. Uh, as far as the computer number on it, I make it 11 and a half. Uh, you could make the argument to 14, 15, 16 pretty, pretty easily, though. Um, so it, it's not a comfortable one. There's no real motivation to go absolutely crush them at, at this point, in my opinion, for Miami. I think it's just get in, get out with a win. Uh, so I'm going to stay away from it just with all of those factors, the holiday week, all the different travel for everyone involved. It's just not a situation that I want to get in on uh, at this point. However, I do think the game closes at 14. So if you like it, go play it now before it gets to that number. You just reminded me of a conversation I had with a NFL analyst when I was at ESPN. And he told me that the week of Thanksgiving and the week after – is really when your bodies are really starting to break down. And what you just said, all they're trying to do is get in and get out with a win, and that's the mentality after Thanksgiving because you're just trying to get to the playoffs then. So as Mikey said, be very careful because even the players understand how tired they are getting. It's now week 12, and this is a brutal game, and they get tired around December. All right, this next game, very, very, very important for Tampa Bay. They're laying three and a half. They're at Cleveland taking on the Browns. The Browns last week had a miracle over as they scored a touchdown with less than 25 seconds to go in the game. Way to go, boys. Way to go. Now, total sitting at 43. Mikey, the maestro loves the Bucks when it is three. It's gone up to three and a half. Do you still like it with the hook? Uh, I don't, but I didn't like it to begin with. I, I like the Brown side in this one. Um, look, I, I make the game minus one uh, for Tampa and I, I would argue you could make them a pick them. So I think the Browns are getting a little bit of disrespect here on their home field. Look, Amari Cooper's been up and down all season, had a great game last week. He's been much better at home than on the road so far this season. 
I think it's one where the game ultimately ends up being super competitive, and I would feel very skeptical laying more than the three. If you like the Bucks side, I think it's great to have it at three or less, but getting above the three and a half here, uh, I personally would cause, uh, or I would offer a little caution there at that point. I think that this Cleveland team can still have a little success with Chubb and can still find some success through the air, and I, I don't think their defense is as terrible as we think they are. I tend to agree with you. And RJ, the one caveat of that, or the one thing I would ask you is the last time we saw the Bucks, it wasn't the prettiest, but they still covered against Seattle. And you saw a very fired up Tom Brady. His jersey, by the way, was the number one seller in Germany for that game. Not a shock. So with the Bucks having that victory and now being all by themselves a half game ahead of Atlanta, did you see that as a game that could propel them to get this offense started? Yeah, their their offense has been trending upward. I think getting Rashad White um, mixed in more it, it only benefits them. And I know Fournette's dealing with an injury, so we might see him more in this one. Their defense is excellent in two games before the bye, and, and you know they if you're playing very good defense, it makes things easier on Tom Brady in the offense. Their offense is first in interception rate and sack rate. So I think this Cleveland defense is in for another long week here because they're not going to be able to exploit matchups in this game. Um, my numbers say I kind of agree with Mikey to say that it should be Browns like one and a half. Or, or Buccaneers one and a half or so, so the value would be on the Browns. But I loved playing Tampa Bay at three. I think it's a great spot for them. Um, Cleveland offense one game away from getting Deshaun Watson, who's been back in practice. How focused are they going to be in this when they know the future is coming next week? Brissett coming off a good game but couldn't keep up with Buffalo's offense. I think the same could happen here if that Buccaneers offense looks as good as it should moving forward. The only concern I do have is it might be a weather game played in Cleveland. So we got to keep an eye on the weather here because anytime you can reduce it to more of a running game, that's going to favor the Browns considering how they make up their offense. But um, it if the weather seems fine, I think the Buccaneers are a great play. Okay. Very, very good. A lot of great information there for that game is now we're getting to where the teams are starting to focus on the playoffs and getting there. Two teams that are very much alive in the playoff discussion. And Mikey, I'm starting with you. I'm talking about the Bengals who went to Pittsburgh last week, got it done against the Steelers. They're laying one and a half against a Tennessee team, a Titans team that has a count it three game lead in the AFC South over Indianapolis. So they're rolling as far as the playoffs are concerned, but they're the underdogs here. Tell me why. Yeah, they, they, this team doesn't get respected in the market. They find ways to win. They find ways to cover. Um, you know, I think this is an interesting spot to go play them at this point. I, th I think we're still waiting on some news from Jamar Chase that, that could definitely swing things a little bit here. Uh, but it's really, can you stop Derrick Henry? Uh, they're a better team with De uh, Ryan Tannehill in there. Um, look, I, I think it's going to be a super competitive game. I have zero edge. I think the market's got this one dead on. You could possibly lean towards Tennessee. If Tennessee were two and a half, I think they'd be a decent teaser leg at eight and a half. Um, still could get there now at the one and a half to a seven and a half. It's still doable. Um, but mostly think the market is correct here. I think the biggest thing that I could get to would be a slight lean on the over 42 and a half as I think this should be 43 and a half or 44. And that's where I was going to go for you, RJ, that the Titans, because they haven't been an over team, it's come down quite a bit in a lot of their games. But against this team, everybody's been able to score and the Bengals have been trending up as well. Would you like also like the over? I think it's a solid play, especially if we get Jamar Chase back in this game, which I know is a possibility. They're kind of eyeing this game as the one he returns for. That would be huge. And I think if that happens, you do get the two and a half, Mikey, and then you can tease the Titans through the eight and a half because I think he moves the line that much. Um, it might even get to three if people keep piling on to the Bengals at two and a half because the Titans don't really have a ton of believers, even though they just keep winning games. The statistics say they're not a great team. But, you know, they're able to do all the little things well and pull these wins off. Their offense leaned on the pass game to tear through the Green Bay defense. Traylon Burks coming, having his breakout party finally emerging. That would be great for this offense that lost A.J. Brown, obviously, in the offseason if he can continue what he did in that game. Since his defense got worked in the first half by Pittsburgh, and it's a Pittsburgh offense that's pretty limited with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, they did show up in the second half, but they can't pressure the quarterback. Their sack rate is 29th in the league, same as what Tennessee's offense is allowing sacks, their sack rate. So if Tennessee's offense was playing a team with a good pass rush i'd be worried more worried about them but i don't think the Bengals can take advantage of this matchup um second straight on the road for cincinnati tennessee playing on extra rest i think they win this game at home i'm hoping the line does go up a little bit and it does get to three and we can play the titans because that's the way i'm leaning jeffrey in the chat says titans keep up ending expectations that's a great way of saying it they absolutely do every week 
We do not respect them. And every week they either are very, very competitive or they win. Hence being seven and three. All right. Those are the seven one o'clock games on Sunday. We have four at four. But before we do that, we need to hear from one of our incredible partners here at Sportsline and CBS. And we are back. For those watching on YouTube, thank you. For those listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, thank you as well. This is our Week 12 NFL Mega Preview with the Stoic One, R.J. White, and, of course, M. Squared from Nashville, Tennessee. Let's continue, gentlemen. 4.05 on Sunday. Chargers laying four and a half after blowing a late lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. They're traveling to Arizona. Total 47 and a half. I don't even know, RJ, where to start with this one because both teams have issues. But the Chargers got Keenan Allen back, Mike Williams back, and nearly beat the number one seed in the AFC. Your thoughts? And the Cardinals look terrible, and that's why this line has jumped up uh, to four and a half. Um, But they'll probably get Marquise Brown back in this game. They might get Kyler Murray back. We'll see how he progresses. I've said that I think Colt McCoy is fine running that offense. He stays more in in what Kingsbury is trying to do with the offense rather than improvising. So even though he's not anywhere near the athlete that that Kyler Murray is, he's able to have success in the offense in certain matches. We saw him lay waste to the Rams the week before and then couldn't do anything against a very, very good 49ers team. I liked catching a bunch of points with the Chargers in some of those matchups. Like we were five and a half, six against the Chiefs. I like playing them there. When you get them to be a favorite of more than three, that's when I'm looking to fade them. They've had two wins of more than three. They won by 10 in Houston, which congratulations, anybody can do at this point. <laughs> they won by five at home against the Raiders in week one. We thought it was going to be a better Raiders team. Turns out they're not very good. The Chargers defense continues to look brutal. Uh, I think even Colt McCoy can score points on them uh, if, you know, if Arizona has their receiver back in Brown, um, which I think they will. I expect the Chargers to play a field goal game kind of no matter who they're playing, unless it's a basement level team like Houston, um, either way. So I always expect the Chargers to stay in that three to four point range. And if they're laying four and a half, I like playing the other side. So right now it's a lean on the Arizona just because I think we might be able to get some more value as the week goes on. It is amazing how they tend to figure out a way to stay in that particular window. But Mikey, when we look at it now, the Chargers would not be in the playoffs at five and five. There is no wiggle room for them, but as always, we're concerned with the number, and when you're laying four and a half, you've got to know that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are going to have a big game for you. This is their season, in my opinion. What do you think they'll do on the road in the desert? Yeah, it's their season, and we got to question how healthy they truly are still, especially on Mike Williams, where he limped off the field with an injury against Kansas City. They played a great game against Kansas City. When they play Kansas City, it is essentially their Super Bowl. They are a unique matchup for Kansas City. That Kansas City struggles with. Kansas City still wins games against them, but they struggle to cover and really pull away. Uh, the value is definitely on Arizona here. It really doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. I love that the receiver group that they have out there should be healthy and ready to go. Um, look, this game, I make it one and a half for the Chargers. Um, I do like RJ. I think we might get this all the way up to five, though, uh, at some point, especially if Kyler Murray is ruled out and the market reacts by a point and a half again. Um, so I'm holding off on it at this point, but I do like the Cardinals here. I think it's the very clear side in this one. C-Rad in the chat said, bit of an overreaction on the 38-10 final. I hate backing the Chargers. Did you watch the game? Did you watch the game? It was <laughs> awful. They were terrible. Every single offense, defense, special teams, terrible. It is what it is, but you might be right, C-Rad. You might be right. All right, this next game. It's important for one team, and that's the Seahawks. They're tied for first. We haven't seen them in two weeks, so it's easy to forget how good they were playing before they went to Germany and lost to Tom Brady and the Bucks, despite a late surge at the end, almost getting back into the game. Seahawks are laying three and a half against the Raiders, whose season is over. When you look at them, even though they won last week, they are three and seven. That's not going to get it done. It felt good to have Devontae Adams wide open in overtime. How that happened? I have no idea. But Mikey, to me, this is Seahawks or I can't do anything with it. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong here. Uh, You know, the Seahawks still have one of the better home field advantages in the NFL. Uh, I don't like where this number is sitting for for that. Um, I, I think the market's still disrespecting them. Giving the Raiders, I guess, maybe fair credit. I think it's mostly disrespect on the Seattle side still. Uh, but I make this number minus five in this particular situation. I think that's where it should be. Uh, I think they ultimately find a way to get the win. I don't know if they're going to end up covering it at this point. I do expect the Raiders to put up a decent fight, uh, especially having Devontae Adams healthy. 
having a big win like that definitely does a lot of great things for that kind of a team. Um, again, I, I, numbers five, not going to play it yet at this point. I, I think it's one that there could be interesting in-game opportunities for it uh, on betting Seattle to ultimately win the game. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not comfortable where the number is right now at this point. Okay. Well, RJ, the Raiders last week, the Broncos offense was not good, but what they did do well was run it pretty well. And Seahawks have this little running back who's turned into a stud. He might be an all pro in his rookie season. We'll have to see. And I'm talking about Kenneth Walker. Do you think he'll have a field day this week against this defense? Yeah, I think he should. I think that this is a great matchup for him. The mar- This line was four. The market pushed down to three and a half. I'm begging you, please push it to three so I can lay three with Seattle in the spot. <laughs> this is a great time to fade Vegas after stealing a win in Denver with a late field goal very end of the game, then that touchdown in overtime. Seattle's offense is fifth in pass yards per play, seventh in rush yards per play. I mean, they, they could run the ball with Kenneth Walker. They could throw it all over the Vegas uh, defense too, which can't get pressure. I'm not sure how Vegas slows them down at all. Seattle's defense didn't really play well against Tampa, but they did limit the points in that game to keep it close. They're capable of holding Vegas under 20 points. So even though the power ratings say this line is probably about fair, I think the spot is much better for Seattle and they're going to win pretty easily. So I'm waiting to play it, hoping that the market wants to push it all the way down to three. And then I think Seattle's definitely a play at that point. And a reminder, that game along with the Chargers and the Cardinals, 4.05 Eastern. I know I get tweets all the time. Oh, my goodness. I didn't have enough money to bet 4.05. I was waiting. Money management, but two games at 4.05. Then two games at 4.25. This next one, and Mikey, I can't even believe this number. Our Chiefs, they're rolling. We're 8-2. and The number one seed looked good coming back late against the Chargers team. You knew they couldn't stop them late. They're laying 14 and a half. At Arrowhead, at home against the Rams, who have been, let's just be honest, not a good football team this year. Matthew Stafford's been in and out of the lineup. He has concussion issues. Their running backs have had issues. Their wide receivers have had issues. Cooper Cup is out for several weeks. The season's over for the Rams. The total sitting at 44 is the number too big, Mikey. Uh, Yes, I think it is. I'm not going to play the Rams plus 14 and a half, though. I just don't – not a situ- situation I want to get into uh, at this point with a team that doesn't really have anything to play for. Uh, so I'm going to stay off of it. The computer tells me this number should be 12. Um, I-, I think a lot of computers are probably going to give you a number very, very similar to that. You're going to have to pay the tax with the Chiefs at home in this particular spot. The question is how much do they want to keep the foot on the pedal, especially knowing how many injuries they've had on the offensive side of the football recently. Do we have a conservative game plan once we are up two to three scores in this game? So I, Kansas City's going to win the game. They are definitely a threat to win this one by three plus scores, but I, I can't get there based on where the computer is. And again, knowing what week of the season it is and the motivation on both sides. So. I'm not going to touch it, but if you blindly follow the computer, you should be playing 14 and a half with the Rams. Oh, God, I can't do that, RJ. Can you? Before you play the Rams here at plus 14 and a half, think to yourself what I play the Texans at the Chiefs plus 14 and a half. Because the Rams without Matthew Stafford, if he can't play in this game, are basically the Texans. Their offense is terrible. Their defense is falling apart, fell apart against New Orleans, um, even though New Orleans is dealing with injuries there. Uh, Kansas City, I don't think they run up the score. So that's the one thing that worries me about just playing them at 14 and a half. But this Rams team is terrible. Line's too big for me to take Kansas City. No interest in backing the Rams. My lean here would be the under, just because I don't think the Rams can score points. All right. Again, very short takes because it's a very short take game. It's Chiefs or nothing. Maybe a few props. As Mikey said earlier, if a game starts to get blown out, the Chiefs are probably the best team in the entire NFL at just killing the clock in the fourth quarter. They're magical at those 11 play, 80 yard drives, nine minutes. And you're like, oh, my God, Travis Kelsey, give me one more catch. And then it doesn't happen. All right. Last game at 425 on Sunday total 43 the number is nine and I got to tell you RJ in a vacuum and I know that we're not supposed to do that but if that 49ers team that we watched last night plays every single week they will be in the Super Bowl they will be in the Super Bowl the Saints are coming to San Francisco at a bad 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 time tell me I'm wrong 
Yeah, it's hard to go against the 49ers considering what we looked at. The thing is, if you do go against them, you're getting, you know, the Saints playing a team on a short week. Um, that came off a big divisional win here, probably thinking that they are headed to the Super Bowl. So maybe you catch them a little sleepy here. The Saints defense was decimated by injuries last week. Stafford actually played pretty well before the injury, even considering he didn't have many weapons to throw to. He had a long bomb to Tutu Atwell and not much else you could do there, but he's, his numbers were actually pretty good. Um, but in that game, Dalton was the difference. And if he can be the difference here and have another good game after two terrible games leading into that game, uh, that win last week, um, that would be a huge bounce back for him. Um, but this is a tough matchup here um, against San Francisco. They can shut down the run. They can get pressure. I don't know if the Saints score um, too many points. I think playing under a New Orleans team total, probably a 16 and a half, hopefully a plus odds, would make the most sense in this game. I think San Francisco can probably cover if they want. Um, but I don't know if they're going to score enough and run up the score. So only way I'm kind of looking at this one is Saints team total under if I play it. Yeah, Mikey, it kind of feels like it's a get in, get the win, and move on down because they're tied for first place. They have no wiggle room either, but you don't want to get anybody hurt against a team that you probably should beat by picking the number if you played all 60 minutes. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, look, I think the number on this one should be seven and a half. You're paying a little bit of a tax here after that big win. Uh, it is a short week, like RJ mentioned. Not only is it a short week, it's an awkward week, right? You've got all the holiday travel. They had the travel of traveling to Colorado Springs before traveling to Mexico City, playing the game at altitude, big emotional win. Uh, they had a few big plays in that game because Arizona's are just a massive pass funnel on the tight ends, got George Kittle going a little bit, made the offense look a heck of a lot better than maybe they really are. Um, look, I, I agree with RJ completely here. I think that they win the game. I think it is going to be between seven and 10 points. It may not be the full 10 to cover this number. Uh, I don't think they're really going to care too much about that. So I think the best look, if you're determined to play this game is going to be the saints team total under, um, I'm not going to get to it yet. It could be an interesting live bet opportunity on an under as well. Uh, the hope there would be, we see an early drive score of some kind. Uh, I still think this game settles into a little bit of a defensive battle. So the hope would be, we have a live score quickly that inflates the number just a little bit. If you are brand new to this show, watching it live right now or watching it on demand, here's a little thing that you can tap into. If two of my guys, two of my crew members agree on the same play, I encourage you to play it. And they both just said Saints team total under. These are two of the greatest minds in America today for NFL football, period, end of story. All right, those are all the 4 o'clock games. We have a, at least as far as brands are concerned, gentlemen, we have a really good Sunday night game. Two weeks ago, the Packers, oh, we, we come back and beat the Cowboys. Then they come right back to earth and lay an absolute egg last week. They're traveling to Philadelphia. The Eagles. Sometimes when you win the way that they want, RJ, it can lift you up when you're a big favorite, you're trailing the entire game, and then all of a sudden, you get a late score, Jalen Hurts, they win by one, it's about winning the game, and their head coach was very emotional after the game, because he's a Frank Reich disciple, so the Eagles have motivation, they have emotion, and now they're favored by seven, total 46 and a half, with all that being said, and the hype, is this going to be a hype game? Yeah, and I think it really gets them focused, too, not just for, for getting that win that they probably thought the game was going to be a little easier than that on the road, um, but they were able to steal that win at the very end, um, so good for them. But then you look at what the Cowboys did when you're reviewing what happens in the rest of the league. Like, we can't take the foot off the gas at all in this division because they're going to catch us if we do. So you have to come out and be your best every week, and I think they can do that against this Packers team. Philly's getting beat up for their run defense after Jordan Davis got hurt. I thought that that was a key injury for them when it happened, and they were awful against the run the next game. But they had 3.1 yards for play yards per rush against Washington even though Washington racked up a lot of rush yards they weren't efficient doing it and then 3.8 against Indy with Jonathan Taylor and the supposedly upgraded offensive line with Jeff Saturday coaching them I don't think their 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 rush defense has been awful now you get the veterans that, that come in with Sue and Joseph and they're going to have another week of conditioning I think they'll play pretty well here Green Bay's offense couldn't run against Tennessee only 4.6 yards per play overall uh, complete on offense. I think Philly has the edge in that matchup when you're talking about offense versus defense. Philly's offense has now struggled in two tough matchups. The Colts have a very good defense. This Green Bay defense got lit up by Ryan Tannehill in the passing game, and he's not 100%. You know, he's still recovering from that high ankle sprain, and he was able to do whatever he wanted to in the past game in Green Bay, you know, which would be a tough environment um, if if Green Bay had a decent team. My power rating has Philly as a plus seven team, seven points better than average, which means at home, 
uh, or on a neutral field, they should be seven points against an average team. At home against a team I don't think is average in the Packers, they should be laying over a touchdown. I think this line should be closer to 10. My lean is the Eagles. I'm just hoping it goes back to six and a half. So wait a little bit, see if we can get a six and a half again, or shop around, see if you can get six and a half. And I definitely play the Eagles at six and a half. You know, Mikey, RJ just said something that blew my mind last week. We talked last week on the show, did we not, that maybe the Packers will look at their fourth quarter and say, this is how we can play. We can move the ball in the air. Let's try it. And they went right back to the same game script, long, take the play clock down, try to run the ball, didn't work, try to run the ball, didn't work. And they just played awful. I don't know why they they do not try a pass-first offense. Is this the week? Um, I mean, it might be. I think that they're still going to try to get Aaron Jones involved. A.J. Dillon's still going to get some touches here. I do still think they run the clock uh, and have one of the slower paces of play in the NFL. Uh, as far as the game goes, I make the Eagles minus eight in this game on their home field. They've had a couple questionable weeks back to back. I think the most encouraging thing is Jonathan Taylor, outside of like one big run, really didn't do a whole lot to tear up this defense. And that's ultimately why uh, they probably end up win in the game still they played pretty poorly but they were able to contain Jonathan Taylor just enough uh, and let Jalen Hurts do his thing I like the spot for them though primetime game here back at home a game that they really must win the team needs a big convincing win at this point and I think they get it here um, I, I don't think the Green Bay is well equipped to deal with all the ways that the Eagles can hurt you I expect Jalen Hurts to run just a little bit more in, uh, himself in this particular matchup as well so, so like RJ, I don't hate laying the seven. I'd like it at six and a half. If you want to break a little rule and play the teaser here, bring this down to one. I don't hate it uh, if you want to go pair it with some of those other games that we talked about throughout the stream. But ultimately, I think the Eagles get the win, uh, and it could be a, a very big win here for them. We have a lot of new names in the chat. So real quickly, Mike, we haven't done it in a couple of weeks. Kind of remind uh, the universe what your rules are on teasers and the numbers, please. Yeah, I mean, well, typically what we're looking for on teasers is you want to have find teams ideally at home, but really anywhere plus one and a half plus two and a half where you're teasing that number through seven through eight. Ideally, you want to get them up to eight and a half. Um, you know, you can have the six and a half. You can bring it down to, to a half if you really, really want to. I would typically do it here at seven as well. Uh, where you don't necessarily want to get into it is teasing through the number of zero. Uh, game can't end on zero, really. So you're never going to want to do that. Um, so, so what, what I mean by that is when you see a line at minus four, minus three, that's a game that would never qualify as a teaser situation for you. Right. Cause you take it to two, but you're losing a full point. So you don't get six. So that's what Mikey is telling you. Listen to my guys, the education and the entertainment is next level. It all matters. And you never know when you go, well, wait, Mikey just talked about that. Oh, RJ just talked about that. We're a team. We're a crew for a reason. And we've made it to the final game of week 12. And if the Colts won any shot, ladies and gentlemen, at a division title, they're three games back of Tennessee at four and six. The Fighting Jeff Saturdays, one and one since Mr. Saturday took over. They're at home Monday night. They're laying two and a half, total 39. Steelers coming to town. RJ, this is one of your best bets. What do you like? I have this as the second leg of my teaser. Mike was wondering what to tease with this. This has got to be it for me, teasing the Steelers up to eight and a half in this game. Indy, you said they're one and one under Saturday. It's got to feel like oh and two after they had that win taken away from them against one of the best teams in the league. They're not going to feel great about that. How do you shake that off and move forward and prepare for this game? Uh, what we saw in that game is the protection issues persist for Indy, uh, which I thought was going to be the case after that Raiders game when they look good. They're playing the team with the worst sack rate in the league. Now you got TJ Watt coming to town. It's going to be much, you know, e even worse than what the Eagles ha had to show you there. Pittsburgh's defense fifth in rush yards per play too. So it's not like you can run the ball against them. Like people thought you could do against the Eagles. This game's likely on Matt Ryan's shoulders for as long as he's able to remain off the turf here. It's a tough matchup for a mediocre Pittsburgh offense, but Kenny Pickett looks like he's progressing really like what I saw through a lot of that game against Cincy. They scored 30 points when all is said and done, didn't win the game, didn't come close to winning the game because they didn't have a great second half, but he looks better than some of the other quarter, but some of the second year quarterbacks, I would say, um, and this is his rookie year. I like Pittsburgh's chances of winning this game against a Colts team that with a terrible offense. It's a definitely a play on, on the Steelers at plus three. If you can find that at, at two and a half, you got to tease it through the through the three and the seven through teaser alley there. So Carolina and Pittsburgh is my teaser, both at plus eight and a half. I love teaser alley. I'm going to steal that teaser alley. 
I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. By the way, C-Rad says, I've learned so much watching, following these two guys. Great information, as always. It's why Mikey calls it the most important hour of the entire week. It's when we don't rush through anything. We give you all of it. Now, Mikey, let me come to you. Because the Colts, we know what their game plan is going to be. It's going to be run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, try to shorten the game. It was almost successful two different times. The Steelers, I think they finally found somewhat of a passing offense. Pickens got into it. He looked really good. They scored a bunch of points, but they still lost, and the Bengals covered late. What do you think going to happen this week? Yeah, look, I think the market's mostly right on the side here. Uh, minus two is where I make the game, but I, I love RJ's look of the teaser here. I don't see this Indianapolis team winning uh, by the two full scores here. So getting this eight and a half on the teaser leg, definitely on board with that. I think the place that I'm looking most on this game believe it or not, is the over. Uh, this thing's sitting at 39 right now. I think this number should be 41 and a half, bare minimum. Uh, I think we're probably looking at a game, a 23-20 type game uh, is what I see here, which gets us over this very low number of 39. I like that it's a controlled environment in the dome here. Uh, there's a, still a number of big plays, including Jonathan Taylor on the one side. Uh, but ultimately, the way Pitt has been playing here, I think that they're going to be able to find some success scoring points in this game. One thing Indianapolis is typically been very good at is playing to the level of their competition. They, they game plan for that a lot, uh, but they ultimately, we saw them play a competitive game with obviously a very different coaching staff and look against Kansas city early in the year. Um, I, I think that they're more than capable of doing it. They just did it with the Eagles as well. So I think this game is competitive and I think it's competitive enough that it pushes it over the total of 39. So if I had to play it, that's where I'd be looking. And a reminder, the Steelers scored 30 last week against the Bengals. So they're starting to move. They are starting to move. All right. It's that time of the day. Our week 12 NFL mega recap brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino looks a little something like this. RJ, start us off. What are your best bets? I have the Lions plus nine and a half. I really like what they've done the last few weeks. And I think that even against a great Bills team at home, they're not getting enough respect. I have the Vikings at minus two and a half. Love that this came off the three because I think the Vikings are definitely better than the Patriots and they have a good home field advantage that's worth two and a half points. I have the Jets at minus four and a half. I think this is a little bit of a free roll because if Justin Fields is out, this line should be double digits. If he's in, this line should be four and a half. And I still would lean the Jets there. Then I have a teaser taking two bad teams, the Panthers and Steelers teasing them both to plus eight and a half because they are facing bad offenses within what should be low scoring games where I don't think anybody wins by more than one score. Mikey, talk to me. I'm also going Vikings minus two and a half. I think this is an excellent bounce back spot on their home field here. Love the friendly number at two and a half. I make this game up to minus five. I think it's going to be competitive, but I don't think the Patriots are able to keep up. And then Giants Cowboys. We're going under 45 and a half. The Giants know the path to victory here is not a shootout. Both of these teams are going to look to run the football, keep a controlled, competitive divisional game where the teams are incredibly familiar with each other. I think this number should be set at 42 and a half. All right. Very, very good. And the Maestro, he's on two plays. The Bucks minus three in Cleveland coming off that big win in Germany. Their offense looked to be getting things going. And then the Dolphins minus 12. It's already up to 13. The guys talked about it. Once it goes over 14, that might be way too high to play. But the Dolphins are flying high. Maybe a team total, something you can look at. But Maestro likes them when it was at 12. And that is your NFL Week 12 recap brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Now, we like to end every single one of our shows asking my cappers what the number one thing that they're looking forward to in the next week, this week. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought. RJ, save me. What are you looking forward to? I mean, same thing every week, uh, week week 12 or whatever, this week of the season, Thanksgiving football. You get that awesome Thursday. You you, you know you eat, you unbuckle the pants. It's uh, The Cowboys game is on in the second half, and uh, we'll see if it's a competitive game here. But three good games there, two of them that I really like somebody. So I'm going to have my interest peak on, on all day Thursday, which is the one time of the season where you can say that for uh, NFL. Chris Rock says, seven hours of Thanksgiving football. Thank you, NFL, for giving us three games instead of two. Mikey, what are you looking forward to this week? Yeah, like RJ, we obviously always look forward to Thanksgiving football. Uh, but for me, it's got to be Bengals-Titans. Uh, I think this game is just massive in the AFC. We could see Jamar Chase back. Uh, I want to see these two teams play again here this year. And, and again, just massive implications in the AFC. 
I'm actually looking forward to the Packers and the Eagles because I really feel like the days of Green Bay getting these primetime games when they're bad with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback are becoming very, very few and very slim. And I don't know if we're going to see this moving forward. And this is an all-time talent that has had the worst season of his entire career. He could have a special night going to Philadelphia, and I'm anxious to see if Green Bay can do what they did to Dallas against the Eagles. All right. This is a great way to start our week. Don't forget, if you're watching this on demand, we have primetime shows. Every single night there is a primetime game, except for Thanksgiving this week. However, our morning show will be extended. It will be longer. We'll have picks on all three games. We'll have props on all three games. We will not have a live show at night, but Sunday night we will. And, of course, Monday night before Steelers and the Colts, we will as well. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Travel safe if you're going to grandma's house. Travel safe if you're staying home. We care about all of you. This is the most special time of the year. My folks are here for the first time since my dad had his heart transplant. So it matters. Be good to your family. Be good to your crew. Be good to everybody. And I can say there's only one thing left to do. And I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these NFL tickets straight to the pay window. For my entire crew, damn it, do I love them all. The stoic one, R.J. White, M. Square from Nashville, Tennessee, and Jake the Snake running the board always on the ones and the twos. I am the coach. We're here every single week breaking down every single NFL game on the early edge. Good luck.